Manchester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. It's time for Rochester Today. Of course, it's Tuesday and that means Tom is with us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. Yes. You too? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's always good to have a weekend. I'm certainly glad to have the warmer weather with us, that's for sure, after that cold blast last week. You bet. What's in the mailbag today? Uh, correction. You and I were speculating about conservatives in California, and Shasta County decided to get rid of the Dominion voting machines, and you asked where Shasta County was in California. I assumed it was next to Orange County, and I was wrong. So I, I did some research. Orange County is in the far south of California. Yep. Chapter counties in the far north. Oh, okay. But what really surprised me is I looked it up. California has 58 counties. Now it's huge. It takes up most of the uh, West Coast uh, and it has 58 counties. But Minnesota has 87 counties. Yeah. Now figure that one out. Huh. And some of our counties are huge as well. If you go to northern Minnesota, they cover a lot of territory. Lake County and some of the other counties up there are just, the territory is immense. I right. can't imagine in California how many people are in each one of these counties. I, and in California, the counties then are even larger because California is one of our largest states in the area. Well, it doesn't surprise me that northern California would be a bit conservative. Yeah. And... Uh, right. In fact, in Northern California, there's a huge community of retired police officers, so that adds to it. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that you know you're butting up to uh, Oregon, and then you, have, of course, Washington State, and both of those states, once you're away from the population centers, are very conservative. Yeah, but most of the votes are in Portland and Seattle, so that controls the politics in that area. Interesting. Okay. Rural America is conservative, which means farm folk are smarter than <laughs> intellectuals. <laughs> Another uh, mailbag <laughs> from the satirical <laughs> Babylon Bee. <laughs> Biden says he shot down Chinese spy balloon after he let it complete its spying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then this from Rose, a man in Montana had a high power telescope and he saw the balloon. The, yeah, the Pentagon knew it when it crossed to Alaska, uh, uh, but they didn't report it for reasons we should speculate about. But so a civilian in Montana saw the balloon, reported it, then the Pentagon admitted that they, that they knew about it. And then Rose said, there's a message to Joe on the balloon saying, come on, man, behave yourself. We do have the paper shredder in the other room. Love, she. <laughs> oh, God. And from Wayne, why didn't Biden order a shoot down of the spy balloon on Wednesday when it flew over the Aleutian Islands of Alaska? Why did he wait until the Chinese spy mission was completed? The Chinese in Beijing are laughing at the administration. And then from Jerry, who's our technological wizard. Tom, what if the China balloon carries and releases COVID virus all over the U.S. as it spreads across our territory? And uh, it is capable of EMP. 
And I asked him, what is EMP? You probably know, Andy. Electro-pulse. EMP, uh, Jerry says, is a magnetic field. Uh, the huge magnetic field it creates wipes out electrical equipment communication, the grid, and all microcomputers and PCs and mainframes. Everything that uses electricity could um, uh, be damaged on this. Not much you can do to stop it. And then one more thing from... I, I think the idea that spreading COVID is kind of silly at this point. COVID is already spread everywhere, so... Uh-huh. I don't know what you'd accomplish doing that. But the EMP thing, yeah, that is of concern. Well, the Chinese could be testing the reliability of spreading anything over America by this balloon or COVID yeah. or anything else. But but I see your point. One more mailbag from our friend Cato. He's thinking about things all the time. And he says this about it. Tom. What are the odds that this balloon comes below a certain altitude and internal an internal bomb goes off and blows it to smithereens? Uh, he said that before the uh, Air Force took it out. But then uh, Cato, a good historian, says this. If you'll recall World War II, General Patton was running a huge fake deceptive invasion force in England Uh, which was headed for France in a non-Normandy location to fool the Germans. And uh, we gave the Germans what we wanted the Germans to see. So the Pentagon knew the balloon was coming when it hit our western shore. What did we want it to see? That's the mailbag. Oh, okay. Cato brings up an interesting point there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll ponder that as we take a break. (laughs) Back in just a moment with more Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Could there be a better name? The Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back for more of Rochester Today. Tom Ostrom, I'm Andy Brownell. What do you want to start with on our state local scene, Tom? Dr. Jensen, who was the Republican gubernatorial candidate against Governor Waltz, uh, said that he's no longer a candidate for governor, but they're still trying to crush his voice. He is claiming the office of Attorney General Keith Ellison is involved in the fifth investigation of Jensen's medical license. Uh, and uh, this from uh, Evan Stambaugh, um, the family physician and gubernatorial candidate said that he had received a, a note from the attorney general's office, a notice of conference requesting his presence before the Minnesota Board of Medical Practices Complaint Review Committee. And uh, the executive director said the committee is using representatives of the office, office of attorney general as its legal representative, and they want to know more about uh, uh, Jensen. I, I think they're really trying to crush him and run him out of the picture, Andy. That's that's how the Democrats operate. And uh, he said, and, and Jensen said they are doing everything they can to crush dissenting voices. This is punishment. It's the fifth investigation. Uh, if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. And uh, none of the complaints against him were filed by patients, to his awareness. 
and it's a, it's a grievance uh, from the from the leftist Democrats, and and the and uh, so uh, that goes on for him evidently. If this ends up being another inquiry concerning disinformation concerning the pandemic or COVID, uh, that should be highly publicized because that <laughs> nobody knows what's going on anymore with the COVID pandemic even the experts are well whatever you know we think this is happening now there's so many different strains and variants out there and effects from different things that uh, anybody who can claim to have the correct information would that would make me suspicious at all so yeah that um that's unfortunate let's put it that way i hope he i hope he prevails i do too and then, of course, uh, Representative Omar is furious that she got kicked off the Foreign Affairs Committee, and she's calling it Islamophobia and prejudice against uh, people of color. And uh, uh, McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, uh, said she's being expelled because of her anti-Semitic remarks and uh, her biases uh, regarding uh, foreign policy issues and her support of terrorist organizations and uh, well, she can be on other committees, but not that one. And the Democrats seem oblivious to the fact that Nancy Pelosi started the precedent of <laughs> the opposition from committees. Well, beyond even the Democrats being oblivious to it, the, the media covering it seems oblivious to it. I don't know how many times last week I heard ABC News refer to this as a precedent-setting event. No, the precedent was sent two years ago when <laughs> Pelosi did it. And then the other aspect of this that I caught on the coverage of it was she apologized. So, okay, it's all right then that Omar, in every single story, remarks that she later apologized for. Okay, well, it's all good. But uh, if it was a member of the other party who committed some sort of infraction and they apologized, it wouldn't matter. They would not be forgiven. Right. As some, you know, the double standard is alive and well. Yes, it is. Uh, the abortion issue is so volatile. And with uh, the governor uh, signing into law the most extreme abortion uh, latitude in the nation, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it takes some courage to go against that wave. But uh, U.S. Representative Michelle Fishbach of Minnesota, uh, a Republican congresswoman, introduced two pro-life bills in the U.S. Senate this month. She proposed pieces of legislation that include defund Planned Parenthood. Uh, she said there's no reason that taxpayers should be forced to fund abortion. And that takes some courage in this volatile environment, Andy, and uh, and that's her uh, uh, her latest move to, to resist the, uh, the wave. And uh, she said organizations like Planned Parenthood receive millions of dollars of taxpayer money to provide abortions on demand and uh, this should not be allowed so she's introduced those and uh, we'll see but of course by uh, Walt says there's a fundamental right to abortion until the time of birth and I think people are saying even in the post-birth stage so uh, that fight goes on. Well I saw that our bishop the new bishop of the diocese of Winona had uh, very strong words for Governor Walls upon him signing that bill. Um, 
I, I know outrageous was used in it. I, I can't remember if it was morally repugnant was used, but somewhere along those lines. But it, yeah, I guess I would hope that a Catholic bishop would use that kind of language. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the church does anything concerning the 13 practicing Catholics who voted for this measure. If there'll be any sort of repercussions for them within the church. That just that alone would be highly controversial, but um, this is—I don't know. I, I, you know, it was interesting when Walls was signing this legislation, and he was asked about his previous stance on the campaign trail, where he stated that you know more or less that he was against late-term abortions, and he got really snippy, and he more or less told Republicans they should be shutting up about this issue. Look at the polls. You're on the wrong side of this one. And if you were smart, you know, if you want to win elections, you better be paying attention. I thought, uh, you know, this one is a pretty much a 50-50 split right down the middle, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this could come back to haunt the Democrats as much as they think it favors them. So, we'll, we'll I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I wouldn't be so sure about the public stance. I'll be back when you- In the Minnesota uh uh, 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 stance on this, they've stated, well, the Supreme Court cannot now uh, handle anything or oppose this. I don't know why the Supreme Court couldn't in the future. It's state legislation. They could. Yeah. <laughs> they could. It would just it would be more difficult because now you have an actual state law that says it. So they would have to find that state law somehow violated the Constitution, right. which would likely be difficult. But a future state legislature could reverse this law. Yeah, they could, then the courts could. Uh, you're right, the state legislature could too, but uh, it's just a, it's just a horrible issue. The bishop that you mentioned, the bishop, the new bishop of Rochester, Winona, uh, called what Waltz did, that legislation, he called it barbaric. That's it, barbaric, thank you. And then, Even a stronger term than I made up in my head. Yes, and then... <laughs> One more uh, Minnesota item. This was on the KROC News website, and I was um, surprised by it and honored by it and saddened by it. Uh, this, this business of sending American men and women overseas to these Middle East wars that have changed nothing, accomplished nothing, are really sad. And the KROC News website, Andrew, uh, had this wonderful, uh, uh, compelling article. 29 U.S. service members from Minnesota were killed during the war in Afghanistan. Yeah. 29, and among them, courageous military service women. Yeah, the war, uh, extraordinarily costly. The, I, I was looking back in my mind, uh, thinking to pre-9-11 and the world we lived in and and it seems so uh, innocent and uh, carefree when compared to today and just to think how dramatically the events that played out in 2001 changed our society and I think in every way made it worse. Um, We've become more of a police state than we were before. We're constantly under surveillance as Americans. Um, I, and I don't think there's avoiding it. I mean, it's 
it is the state trying to protect us, but at the same time, it is oppressive. Uh, you look at how many lives uh, lost, not just on 9/11, but on the battlefields across the middle, you know, across the Middle East and Southwestern Asia, and not just the American soldiers who lost their lives, the other NATO soldiers, Canadians, Europeans, but also the the many civilians who uh, lost their lives as collateral damage with the terrorists hiding amongst them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's just it's, it's and your knowledge of geography. Horrible. Your knowledge of geography, Andy, Andy is is impressive. Uh, you mentioned the Middle East is in Southwest Asia in part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that continent, yeah. And and if you look at the end result of it, I don't know if anything has been accomplished by the loss of lives. I mean, you could argue that um Al-Qaeda is on the run, but they have strongholds now in Africa and other parts of the world. You have Syria turning into a, a basket case. You have Afghanistan back to the basket case it was before. You have Pakistan. The northwestern part of Pakistan is still as dangerous as it ever was. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I and I don't know. I don't know the answer to result. And, either. and Iran is uh, thought to be uh, in the Middle East. Uh, people sometimes think it's Arabic, but it isn't. It's Persian in language. But Iran is aiding the Russians in the war in Ukraine and sending it. Uh, in fact, Iran's going to set up a, a factory in Russia to manufacture drones. And the, the Russians have gotten lots of drones from Iran. And so they will make that war go on. So we're still paying a price for uh, Iranian uh, and Middle East uh, uh, activities. And, and plus, out of the 9-11 uh, comes the Patriot Act. And the Democrats, the DOJ and FBI have used the Patriot Act to go after conservatives. That's what I'm saying. The, the oppressive effects of this on our society as far as our free speech rights and our ability to travel freely, it's, uh, it's been significant. Uh, it seems quaint to, to think that you could show up at an airport 10 minutes before the gates closed on your flight and still have an expectation you could get on the airplane. But that was the world we lived in. You could park in the ramp and rush your way into the terminal and go through the, the basics of security and have your carry-on checked and you'd be on that plane in a matter of minutes. Forget mm -hmm. that today. Travel has become a nightmare. Not all because of 9-11 and the effects of that, but uh partially at least that's for sure that's right and uh, yeah. we, th we thank our mailbag uh, contributors for covering the missile uh issue uh the 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 china balloon issue quite well we'll I talk just, more about that in a minute i said yeah we can talk more about that in the national news yeah mm -hmm. okay we'll do that after the break we have to take our break for news we will return with more of rochester today tom ostrom's here I'm Andy Brownell on Newstalk 1340, AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal Care. Today, this Tuesday morning with T.O. <laughs> okay, uh, the great balloon flight of 2023. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I will admit that one, uh, that one caught me by surprise. I, uh, and, and the national obsession with the balloon was a little bit surprising as well. Mm -hmm. But it certainly captured everybody's attention. It, it is mysterious, to say the least. Mm -hmm. What were the Chinese up to? What were their true intentions? Mm -hmm. it, it seems 
sort of silly to think that that would be an actual intelligence strategy to set up a high flying balloon with cameras and other intelligence gathering gear on board and send it drifting over the continent when you could do essentially the same thing using spy satellites Mm -hmm. that cannot be really interfered with. So it seems as if it was more of a political provocation than it was an actual military exercise. Well, it it seems that way, but uh, those balloons are are less detectable than satellites and other methods. And I think they were testing uh, 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 a former CIA station chief, Dan Hoffman, said that uh, the Biden administration has to ask the Intelligence Committee for a damage assessment, even after the shoot down, uh, because uh, uh, he thinks it's an intelligence collection operation. And they went over several uh, U.S. military bases, including missile uh, and atomic sites. And why did they shoot the balloon out of the sky after it crossed the U.S. and and have it fall into the water, 40, 50 feet water depths? Um, Is that to make it tougher to uh, assess and recover the the parts? Uh, They should have shot it down over the vast empty expanses of the United States where they could control it better and analyze it better so why is that and then china is so arrogant that it's angry that the balloon was shot down that the the u.s didn't have to uh the right to do that that it's a provocation that the balloon was innocent um it's a it's a violation of international customs but you know what the chinese would have done with a balloon that the u.s sent over them or an aircraft or any other object yeah it it is interesting to me that, as you pointed out, when you're flying over the middle of nowhere and you have a, or even as our listener who in the mailbag said, over the Aleutians, uh, before, I mean, at that point, the thing had entered U.S. airspace, they had every right to, they had every right to take it out. Um, well, some people think that, uh, uh, the, uh, the the intelligence community in the Pentagon knew about it, but didn't want to tell Americans because it made them look inept. And, and what are they going to do about it? Uh, and some well, say <laughs> they didn't want anybody to know because Secretary of State uh, Blinken had a uh, meeting scheduled in China. And now with the discovery of it, they've canceled the meeting. But uh, yeah, the Pentagon uh, secrecy and and we wouldn't have known about it if it hadn't been for a civilian who had optical equipment that allowed uh, its vision. Basically said, what is that thing up there? <laughs> and I and I don't have the information. How large was the payload on this, the machinery itself? Um, I know it had apparently some solar panel arrays to power whatever equipment was on there. And I don't know how much it all weighed. I mean, because that's going to play a role in deciding where to take it down. If this thing had significant weight and there was a decent amount of risk that something heavy enough to really cause some significant damage could fall on a home, shopping mall, church, hospital, whatever it may be, then you can understand why you don't want to down the thing. But then I would think that with all of the technology that we have uh, in our armed services, that you wouldn't shoot the missile at the balloon You'd shoot the missile at the payload, have the payload be scattered into a million little bits, 
it falls to the earth, no harm could be done at that point. But on the other hand, then you'd never find out what was on the balloon. That's right. So, so I can't understand in many ways why they waited, but I do agree uh, overall the assessment of this is um, it's got to be a bit of an embarrassment for the Biden administration to have all weekend long everybody putting up memes on social media, uh, Saturday Night Live making fun of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it did seem as if we were uh, um, a bit impotent to deal with a, a giant gas balloon floating over our country. That's right. And uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota now is going to halt a project after the Chinese tried to buy some land. Uh, and uh, the U.S. Air Force says Chinese purchases of land next to military facilities is a threat. And so Grand Forks, North Dakota was going to deny building permits to this Chinese-based food manufacturer that wanted to buy more farmland. Uh, and, uh, and Grand Forks Mayor uh, Bochensky said the city will also refuse uh, uh, other uh, actions and requests that the China government has. And uh, we've got to stop nations from uh, getting strategic advantage of us, especially those nations that hate us, he said. And then uh, Christy Nome, uh, South Dakota governor, uh, she has used this to facilitate her push to block China land purchases in South Dakota. Uh, the spy balloon fueled her uh, uh, intention to do it because she had farming interest groups that wanted China to be able to purchase farmland, you know, for the money that it would generate. And Christy Nome says no. Uh, the U.S. Air Force uh, likes her decision. And then um, a new bill is going to restrict solar farms in Iowa. It has nothing to do with the balloon. We can get to that later. But Christy Nome's on the warpath against China purchases of farmland and ranch land too. And uh, as far as the farmland purchases, if you. I think with the state of affairs the way they are in the world today and our relationship with China becoming more and more uh, tense, I I think this is going to become more and more of an issue everywhere. Why it would be? Why are we selling the land to the Chinese? Why, regardless of it's useful to them strategically for spying on military bases or not? Why are we giving up food production? assets to the Chinese. But on the, but if you flip it around and look at it the other way, it might be a little bit reassuring as well. Because if the Chinese are looking to the United States and our farmland as a future stable source of food for the Chinese, that would suggest the risk of a war with China would be lessened. Because why would they do something as in a nuclear attack that would potentially contaminate the land they purchased mm -hmm. to potentially solidify Chinese food supplies in the future. Another well, that interconnection that might actually be a saving grace. Well, that's an interesting point. Uh, but uh, on, on the other hand, uh, they could be purchasing the land to scout out uh, military intelligence and our capabilities uh, to assess uh, their success is either in attacking us or attacking Taiwan. True. I'm not going to argue the point. I think both could be correct, but we have no way of knowing which one's correct and how no. much of a, I mean, we do have some members of the military 
saying that it's particular, particularly that Grand Forks situation, that this is silly. Why would we allow this? This, regardless if it's their intent right. or not, it would give the possibility of future uh, intelligence gathering. It, it, it's it's too close to a strategic um, facility to make this a prudent thing to have happen. So, mm-hmm. I, and I and just with the state of the world today, I, I don't think, I think there's a growing tide against allowing China to be purchasing real estate in the United States or having even more influence over our higher education institutions. And what is frightening to me is Americans know so little about China, including our bureaucrats, but China knows so much about us that they know how our democratic system operates, how openness operates, and they, they infiltrate uh, uh, real estate they send their Chinese students uh, to our universities to spy, but also to get educated. And uh, and uh, corporations allow it and academia allows it, but the Chinese know how to play us by our own philosophies, and we can't get into their country at all about anything, I don't think. Well, we have, but it's been largely us selling our products and our expertise to the Chinese. And then, of course, their students educated in our colleges return home and use the uh, use the expertise that they learned in our colleges to take our technology <laughs> yeah. and, and more or less steal it from us yeah. for their own purposes. So, yeah, we're, we, I think you could argue quite successfully we're on the short end of the stick on this situation. <laughs> uh, and the, you know, the promise always was, at least in my view, that by kind of looking the other direction as the Chinese did this, that the hope would be that they would integrate themselves more into the world and uh, become less of a threat to the rest of the world. But under Xi, they're becoming more of a threat to the rest of the world. And they're using the very tools that we handed over to them to do that. So that's, it's a policy that certainly is coming back to bite us, I think. That's right. Uh, Just as Gorbachev wanted to open the Soviet Union, Deng Xiaoping, decades ago wanted to make china more democratic and more capitalist and and intertwined with the west more and as you just suggested that she has changed that yep unfortunately that is for sure i did read one over the weekend tom i gotta share this with you uh a group put together a analysis concerning news coverage and it's a pretty damning report and in fact, I think the New York Times ironically published it. But mm. the person who actually worked on it used to be an executive with New York Times. Mm. And it points out why the credibility of the mainstream media has gone down the, down the tubes. And it specifically addresses one of your favorite issues, which would be the Russian collusion fiasco. Mm-hmm. And the still dossier and the coverage of all of the events regarding that and uh, how inaccurate a lot of the reporting was uh, looking the other way when there was evidence to the contrary, failure to follow through on very thin evidence to realize it was non-existent, just goes down the list and more or less said we're probably in the state of affairs for the long run that uh, the public will have a great deal of distrust with the media as it becomes more and more biased and less and less accountable. Mm. But the only way to get back to the point where the 
American people have some level of trust in our media, which is supposed to serve as a watchdog for the people of the United States, is to uh, have more accountability and more credibility in the way news is covered instead of picking sides and pushing an agenda to actually seek out the uh, the actual truth of the events. And one of the arguments was that, and this was kind of interesting to me, that coming out of college today, uh, a lot of the journalism students are advocacy-based, that they they feel that their job is to pursue accomplishing a societal change or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that truth is their truth. And whether or not you use ethical reporting and thorough reporting of both sides of an issue to find the truth, you can throw that to the heap because, the, you know, the ends justify the means, even in journalism. And mm-hmm. ironically, this report found out how could you ever find the truth if you didn't perform your actions as a journalist to find and actually report on the actual accuracy of the events that are unfolding. So it was it was mm-hmm. a very, very damning report and it's very mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. disconcerting too. And even more disconcerting is the and we've talked about these polls before that it's seventy percent of Democrats trust the media. Uh it's fourteen percent of Republicans trust the media and the independents only about twenty seven percent trust the media. So it's become very, very lopsided in that way in shape and form. And you can understand why, too, because the accusation, of particularly in the Russian gate business, was that this was presented to the American people as the truth when all in all it was a lie. Mm-hmm. And those in the media who should have known it was a lie refused to ask the questions that would uncover the lie. Mm-hmm. And now even when a lie has been uncovered, downplay it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It's mysterious why there's so much mistrust on one side compared to the other. Quite a summation, Andrew. <laughs> Oof. We have to take a break. Back in a moment with more of Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Are you or a loved one struggling with drug or alcohol use? Maybe you're not sure. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. Rochester Today, Tuesday. Tom Ostrom's here. What do you want to cover, Tom? Jim Hoft, Gateway Pundit. Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, sent out a government decree to destroy all information about Hunter Biden's connection with Ukrainian companies and corruption on the day of the Russian invasion. And uh, and uh, sa- satellites even picked up the embassy people in the Ukraine, uh, uh, setting fire to documents. Uh, now, so Zelensky was trying to bury the Ukrainian corruption, I think, uh, well. situation and uh, and Hunter Biden's connections. And I suppose he did that to uh, to appease uh, the Biden administration. Biden has become his best friend in the whole world is what he's become. Yeah. The, uh, there was an article out on Hunter Biden and his team going on the offensive regarding the possibility of upcoming hearings on his dealings. 
and requesting that the IRS and the Justice Department launch investigations into the computer shop owner and even the media outlets who have used the contents of the laptop for stories about Mm -hmm. the Biden administration and Hunter Biden himself. (laughs) Interestingly, uh, the author of this report pointed out that by taking this action publicly, Hunter admitted that the computer was his. Right. Uh, So there's no room to deny that anymore, but also questioned the optics of this, that he would more or less is asking his dad's government, the IRS and the Justice Department, to go after his enemies. And how does that look? It doesn't look... It doesn't look good if you put it in that oh, in, uh, put it, it in that light. It doesn't, and uh, and you're right. And so uh, that's more uh, shade uh, on on Biden, on the president, and his dealings with all of these things. And what stimulated Hunter Biden's suit against his uh, critics is the computer shop owner had already initiated a slander suit against Hunter Biden for the things he's been talking about the computer shop owner. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right, Andy. Quite complicated. And you can't make it up. It's beyond bizarre. It is. And then uh, a report that Joe Biden offered Vladimir Putin 20% of the Ukraine to end the war. That was offered when the war broke out. And, of course, uh, Vladimir Putin wouldn't accept that, uh, nor would the Ukraine uh, president Zelensky. So uh, Kiev, the capital, uh, shut down the proposal. They said we're not going to divide up our our property. We have about 30, 40 seconds left if you want to cover one more thing. Okay. Giorgia Melani is Italy's prime minister, a right winger. Uh, and the liberals there, can the uh, globalists call her a crypto fascist. But her policies have improved the Italian economy and some European uh, leaders are really paying her tribute. She's quite effective and uh, she's uh, in fact uh, uh, supporting policies that could be beneficial to all other uh, European nations. So. She's ruling more effectively than her critics uh, thought she would, or he probably even wanted her to. A crypto fascist. I hadn't heard that one before. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With that, we have to run, Tom. We will chat again in a couple days. Thursday morning, Thomas will return for more of Rochester today. I look forward to it. Thank you, Tom. You too, Andrew. All right. This has been Rochester Today, News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal Care, and 